Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing show where we are tackling the thorny and controversial subject of superannuation. A lot of moving parts in this at the moment and quite a number of revelations as you'll see in the show. I know you're going to like it. See you in the broadcast. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and my rather well-dressed offsider, Mr. Mitchell Laurential. Thank you, Mr. B. You look okay yourself. Thank you very much. And Are we okay? I'll try and raise the bar. <laughs> well, look, speaking of raising the bar, let's talk about superannuation today, something they are trying to raise, which I know got you pretty riled up this morning, pretty mm. angry. Going to chat about it all. Very important time to be chatting about it too. Absolutely. Superannuation, three big headlines to really consider. And I guess the most topical one right now is the early access to super that Ooh. we've seen. Um, yeah, that ability for people to take $10,000 last tax year and a further $10,000 from their super this year. Um, interesting policy. And I think the caveat for all of this, you know, through the COVID crisis, Treasury government, they've done their best to try and create policies that in spirit should work, uh, but in sometimes uh, we often see that they uh, they don't necessarily serve that purpose and possibly get used for the wrong reasons. And this is one such example, I think. Sure, and obviously, unfortunately, a lot of these decisions have had to be made on the fly pretty quickly to respond to what's going on. Mm. And I know there's been a lot of businesses that have actually benefited from these early access to super. Absolutely. Harvey Norman, JB Hi-Fi, you mentioned those before. Yeah. Kogan, another one, anyone in the on online retailing space or, or home entertainment, um, you know, uh, Bunny have also done pretty well out of that too. Why is that? Well, people have accessed, and, 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 and let's look at the spirit of this. We've gone into a recession, and so the government has said, okay, how can we help people steward themselves through? I know, let's give them early access to super. Now, if you've got to put bread on your table and feed your family, that makes sense to have access Fair to enough. money now, and, and you can deal with retirement when it comes over the hill. Sure. And that's one of the sad things. People oftentimes with super see it as this big thing in the distance. It's a long way away. We'll get around to it. It's boring. It's complicated. Yeah, let's just get the dough now live hard, die young. And, and you've kind of seen a little bit of that where money has been accessed and you know, sales in four-wheel drive and camping accessories through the roof. You know, do you need a Balinese pagoda in your garden right now to get you through these challenging times of COVID? I can't imagine you doing too much traveling or too much entertaining when there's only allowed 10 people in your house. Why do you need those extra gadgets and gadgets? Yeah, and this is, this is where some of the money has gone, which is obviously controversial because that wasn't the intention behind the legislation. It was to help people. Um, to my mind, you know, if you take 10 out now, 10 uh, in the last tax year, 10 now, that's okay. It's your money. You should be able to access it. However, when it comes to retirement, maybe that 20 grand, if you've taken the full 20, needs to be inflation adjusted or, or, or increased, compounded to an extent in, say, 30 years time when you come to retire and say, okay, that 20 you took out back in 2020 would now be worth $47,000. And that should be included in what your retirement amount is to stop people getting a double dip. And what I mean by that, you could take the cash now, have no super when it comes time to retire and go on the state pension. Now you had the to money fix before. the purpose. Yeah, you had the money before, but you decided that you needed those rhubarb and spotlights on your four-wheel drive, <laughs> and now you qualify for the pension later on. And that kind of double dip is not right. And hopefully the legislation catches up with that. So they'll say, okay, you pulled your 20 out, we're going to give you a tax concession on putting it back in when you start work again. But if you don't, we're going to take whatever that 20 was worth back in 2020, work out a value of what it's worth when you retire, and suggest that that's actually what your retirement nest egg would have been had you have not done this, and therefore you don't qualify for the pension. And does that mean even potentially looking at de decreasing pension payments? You say, okay, if it's 47000 that you've taken out that's mm -hmm. worth today, Therefore, you're going to receive X amount of dollars instead of Y. Absolutely. So it's means tested against what you would have had. had sure. Okay. And Great that might idea. sound a little bit harsh, but the whole idea of this is not to bleed the public purse. 
um, with people playing the system. And, and, and you know, if you've got to put food on the table for your family, that's one thing, but expending it on discretionary spending, that's another matter. So I think that's one thing that's been quite controversial. It's also really impacted a lot on some of the industry super. Sure. So he takes on a host plus, you know, the I think 70% of their balances are 30 grand or under. Wow. Uh, and, and if you look at the volume of money that's flowed out, which is in the, I think it's something in the order of 30 to $40 billion uh, across the board in early access to super. Yeah, that's really hit a lot of those industry super funds very, very hard, especially low balance funds. And so the viability of their business, having seen that money flow out the door, in fact, it hasn't all flown out the door because some of the assets that were held in those super uh, accounts haven't been liquid enough to be able to, they're not like shares where you can sell them and pay the cash out. They've been in illiquid property assets which haven't been able to be sold and, and, and then pay the money out to the investors that are asking for it. So a few little problems there in the industry super space. 75% jump in insurance costs with one of them as well. So, you know, there's a few little things showing that the, the, the nuts are possibly a bit wobbly on the wheels there. And, and, and industry super, a lot of people look to it as this bastion of great service and great value for money. That's also not necessarily true when you look at, say, some of the management expense ratios. They can be actually more expensive than what they seem on the surface. Uh, so, yeah, industry super is going to struggle a bit under this, I think, with that uh, redemption. But I do think the government needs to backfill some of the legislation to say, look, if you pull down now and take in it early, it will be added back in and means tested against what your pension entitlements are later on, unless you fill that hole up yourself. So where does that leave the economy long term? If we are taking super out now, having a great time going to Harvey Norman, buying new TVs, whatever it may be, in 20 years time, 30 years time, if your pension's decreased and it's means tested, where does, where does that leave retirees? Well, if you think about it, not that many people look that far ahead and it's, oh, we'll put the problem off, which is one of the major problems with super. Yeah, and this whole notion of trying to provide people with a better quality retirement, I guess, yeah, leads us to, to, to point number two, and that's the big push at the moment. Uh, in fact, it's legislated for an increased compulsory contribution from employers. I know this one gets you nice and rolled up. <laughs> so at the moment, 9.5% is a compulsory contribution level from an employer. And legislation has been passed that over the next three years, it needs to increase to 12.5%. Now, the government have come out and said, look, probably not the best time to be enforcing this. Can we just back off? And the Labour Party have been actually quite resolute and gone, no, it's in legislation. It needs to happen. We've got to protect workers' rights, etc." The challenge with this is that we're in a situation where we need as much money in the economy now to keep the wheels turning. And if you take money out of the economy and put it in an investment vehicle like super, where it's not gonna be back in the economy again for 20, 30, 40 years, that starvation of money now is not gonna let the fire get started, which is exactly what we need. So you know, it, it, is a, it makes a lot of sense to try and delay this. Um, and it opens up a whole can of worms politically, particularly. You know, as an employer, you know, if you think about the whole notion, and I think Paul Keating came out uh, this week and had a few choice comments. Now, Paul Keating, of course, Labour Prime Minister, um, was the architect of superannuation. The godfather of mm. super. And in its early essence, it was probably a pretty good model. But... What was the early model, just for those who don't know? So 9%, 3% played by the employer, 3% contributed by the employee, and then 3% added in by the government, giving you 9%. It's fair. But now it's 9.5% on the employer. And they're going to try and add an extra 3 They're trying to add another 3% onto that, which makes it, look, it doesn't sound like it's a lot, but we're in an environment where there's been very, very little wage growth, not just this year, but for the last maybe two or three years. And that lack of wage growth was why the Australian economy was on track for a recession last year, pre-COVID. You, know, you could see mortgage delinquencies, for example, starting to pile up because people weren't getting the pay rise they perhaps felt that they should or that there was scope to provide. And for small businesses or even bigger businesses, 
If you were in something like transportation, transport and freight, the margin in transport and freight is very, very thin. It's maybe three or four percent on your revenue is actual profit margin. Now, if you've then got to take an extra slice of that into your labor force and increase your payout by another 3%, it doesn't leave a lot there in times that are actually very, very difficult and very, very challenging. Does that mean that less people will be employed, which is totally goes against the grain of what we need? We need more people employed working and then there's less job keeper, there's less stress on the government. Mm. Why would they want the result where there's less people employed and more reliance on the government stimulus? I think very sadly what we're seeing through COVID is that massive division of political view and agenda which doesn't serve anybody. Sometimes you've got to get together and sit down with your arch nemesis and, and reach a compromise, which no one seems to want to do right now. Um, you, you, and you're quite right. If you've got a choice as an employer of paying more into super or having fewer employees, you're probably going to have fewer employees that you can pay better sure. uh, than, than more in, in these difficult times. So you're actually going to increase unemployment. That's not in anyone's interest at all, other than now you've got more job seeker you've got to pay and you've moved the cost of that person from the public sector, or sorry, the private sector, very much onto the government's payroll in the public sector or in terms of the, 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 the government purse of benefit, which is just terrible. It makes no sense. And it, it's a tough one because we get what they're trying to do. We're trying to foolproof the future of our Australians and set them up for long term. But the time is now. And if employees are going to be, you know, unemploying people in their business, it puts us in a precarious position. It, it is very difficult. And particularly in, if you take Victoria as a state where employment, unemployment's jumped by 7% over the last month in that state alone. Yeah, there's an enormous amount of pressure on businesses to keep their staff gainfully employed. And if you say, okay, you can keep your staff and you've got to pay them more super, which means you can't really give them a pay rise at a time when they need a pay rise to inflate the economy, it just makes no sense. So let's put political agendas aside. Let's take that legislation that's been passed use some common sense and park it and, and return to it later on. And look, let's face it, I don't really think the politicians have got a leg to stand on anyway. You and I, mere mortals, the plebs at the bottom of the totem pole, <laughs> our super is at 9.5%, whereas if you're a politician, it's at a minimum of 11.5%. Don't ask me why, but that's what they get right now, and it's hardly fair if we're talking about a system. And I'm fairly certain the Queensland Premier actually gets 12.75. Could well be. But from my reading. Uh, again, let's not make this uh, too much of an attack. Sure, okay. But just give it a state government, that would be a very good way of saving everyone a heap of I know you're a fan of that. Mm. Okay, well, now let's segue into something that probably does need to be pushed higher, and mm. that is the mandatory uh, self-contribution that you can make, your salary sacrifice. Yep. Currently at 25,000 per financial year that mm. you can put from your salary into your super. Yep. What are your thoughts? Okay, so if the notion is to try and provide everyone with a, a, a better quality super and it's legislated to um, lift the employer contributions up to 125 3% uh, higher or 30% jump, are we going to have a 30% jump in the tax-free contribution levels as well? Because right now in Australia, 25 grand is the limit on that. And for some people listening to this, that might sound a lot of money going in. For others, it's not. You know, if you're an executive in a business and maybe you've been putting down seven or eight hundred thousand dollars a year, it's a week's wage. Adding 25 grand uh, a year to your super tax-free, it just doesn't really get you from A to B. And you, well, you earn plenty, you should pay more tax. I don't think that's really the message we should have. The message should be: let's make it as easy for our people, for our citizens, to better contribute more to their super so they can have the dignity of being self-funded as opposed to being on the, the government's purse and having to be supported with the state supporting them, sure. government super or the pension. Let's get it away from 
the taxpayer paying and get it paid privately by people contributing themselves and also yeah, making it more tax effective to do that. That will make an awful lot of sense, but it's 25 grand. It used to be higher, it's been cut down. And, and plus, if you are a higher income earner, you know, after 250,000, you're subject to a, a division 293 tax as wow. well. So you're just getting slapped left, right and center on there. Heaven forbid you should make money and employ people in this country. That's not fair, let's try and bring it back down. There seems to be a fairly large disconnect between what is really needed versus what is being legislated. Mm. I guess that brings the overarching question, Mr. B, is what the hell is going on? Yeah, well, that is a tricky one, and providing advice on super is very, very difficult because it is a minefield of legislation which seems to change on a very, very regular basis. You know, I'm always minded of you know Kerry Packer's very famous parliamentary hearing when they, he'd gone there and they were supposed to be telling him off and ended up telling setting them straight off. <laughs> great video if you ever watch it on uh, on YouTube. And and one of the things he talked about was before you introduce new legislation, repeal the old one that it, it's replacing to keep it simple. This whole area of super is such a massively complex issue. The rules keep changing, so you could do things today that, that you think are going to set you up, and then the rules change and it no longer works. So it's very hard for people to provide for a future. 30, 40 years down the track when you've got this revolving door uh, of legislation and things that are changing. And, you know, things do need to change. The premise of what super is, is a great idea. And that's for people to be able to provide for their own retirement. But it's become so bogged down in legislation and compliance that it fails to achieve that objective. And I'll give you a couple of examples of that. Number one, let's get the limit raised. So if you want to put more into your super, you can make it tax free because you're providing for your retirement so that you don't have to be a burden on the taxpayer later on. Secondly, what's earned in that super, it's taxed anyway, so it's still gonna pay tax. This whole notion that you know, if you, re if you reduce the tax on super, the rich get richer, it doesn't work that way because there's tax payable on what's in there. But here's a big one, for your generation in particular, you know, the prospect of owning a home, not for you because you're well on your way, but for a lot of people um, in that space, the prospect of owning their own home is out of their reach. Now within super, there's a piece of legislation that talks about the sole purpose test. Anything you do in super must only be for your retirement provisioning. That's the legislation. Why don't we start to actually restructure this? It's 20, 30 years old, it needs an overhaul. We need to work out how much is gonna be paid in, what the tax benefits are, and just leave it be for 20, 30 years before we mess with it. Sure. How about if you could take your super and you could use that as a deposit and a payment mechanism to buy your own home? Great idea. That's going to enable people to own their own home for those that can't afford it. And, and, and there's a lot of talk about the younger generations being a, a generation of renters because they won't be able to afford to get in the property market. What's wrong with owning your primary place of residence in your super? When you go to sell it, you can be taxed. So you pay your super tax at 15% on, on whatever element of that property is taxable. But what's more, you've put money in now, it's grown in value. So by, by the time you retire and you don't need that seven bedroom house for your kids as you and your wife, so it's a two better, you've got the ability to downsize, sell that for a nice chunky profit, roll it into your retirement fund, pay the tax on it and actually live a decent life. And you've had somewhere to live your whole life. It makes total sense and it follows all the rules. I'm not sure why that hasn't been considered yet. You know, the sole purpose test is an interesting one. And, and it's one of those things I think that doesn't, it's open to exploitation just like everything else is. You know, you're pulling your 10 or 20 grand out of super is also open to exploitation. So these things need to be thought through and structured, but a whole fresh approach to it is gonna see people more incentivized to prepare for their retirement if you make it easier, if you make it more tax effective, and you make it something that you actually want to do rather than something that you have to do. 
Well, it's a great piece of advice and some inf in interesting information, excuse me, getting tongue-tied there. AB, we're coming to the end of the broadcast and there's a lot of information in there to unpack. I guess the next part is, what's your advice? As I always like to ask at the end of the broadcast, you're unsure about what to do, how to steward yourself through these challenging times in terms of super, what would be your call to action? Look, I think getting control is a key thing. Self-managed super, we've got so many clients in that space are making great money. You've got that peace of mind and control of knowing that your future is in your own hands and ultimately you've got the best vested interest in sorting your future out because it's your money, it's your retirement we're talking about here. So, you know, self-managed super is an important part of the asset allocation mix. But for anybody, don't just put it off and think, oh, it's this little dot on the horizon. Get started with it today. Hopefully the legislation will catch up and have some common sense applied to it. And if that is the case and we see the relaxation of sole purpose so you can actually buy a home to live in and still pay rent into your super and pay the tax on the income in it and do all of the things. This is not just about making something impossible to use. It could be a terrific standalone tax vehicle if someone that's objective looks at it through fresh lenses. But at the moment, we've got political bickering about lifting the limit. Uh, on, on one side, it's got to go up to 12 and a half, but heaven forbid you should raise the tax-free contribution for anyone that wants to put more so they can retire in dignity. And then all of it's constrained with this nonsense of a moving feast of legislation on the back end. Tricky space, something I get very fired up about because we're here to help people plan for their retirement. And it's very, very hard to say, here's the plan to get there because where we're going to get you has changed because the legislation is now over here. Actually, no, it's not anymore. It's over here. Actually, no, it's not. It's now here because for some reason, the people that are running the show can't get their act together and just lay out a concrete 30-year plan on where super should be. Indeed. It's hard when the goalposts are moving all the time. But look, great piece of advice, great piece of information. So thank you very much, Mr. B. Absolute pleasure to get your take on this and I'm sure our viewers will get plenty out of this. Anytime, Mitch. Thanks very much. Well, there you have it, guys. Plenty of controversy. Make sure you give us a review and a rating and we'll look forward to seeing you on the show next week.